Hi, this is Darth John, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, because mainly, and my master won't let me. Damn master. Hi, this is GM Drew, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. This episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you in part by our sponsors GoDaddy.com and ThinkGeek.com. Welcome back, Gamer Nation, to episode number 69. <laughs> of the Order 66 podcast. This is Friday, June the 5th, 2009. I am GM Dave, your host, along with a sordid set of scoundrels led by GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? It is I, GM Chris. And I'm here, of course, with my compatriot and companion, uh, GM Dave. And for those of you who may be ordering from this fast food joint of the disjointed for the very first time, we are serving up hot heaping helpings of the greatest D20 role-playing system ever to hit the printed page, Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And the Order 66 podcast is your source for the best info and the only fan-generated podcast devoted to the glory that is Saga Edition role-playing. So, welcome! Welcome. It's dude, it's Friday night. I know it's Friday. I'm a little on the toasted side already and Ah uh, yes, I know. I've already done one podcast tonight, so I'm got I've got another one in me, by golly. I know you do. <laughs> well dude, I'm I'm stoked. We got some really great stuff to talk about tonight. Does but, we? Uh, so I yeah, guess Yeah, we do. Alright, so I guess that means we need to get to the news. Okay. Well. Alright, whatever. Accessing New acquisitions. Greetings, Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Well, all right, all right, Home Slice. So you said you just did a podcast. Why don't you tell us about it? I did, man. The Holocron number 13. We talk about everything that was E3 that just wrapped up yesterday from EA and BioWare. Everything about Star Wars The Old Republic, the new video game coming out. Hopefully, if you listen to Amazon.com and all the buffoonery they're throwing out, they say it's going to be released in March of 2010. Do you believe that? Lies. Lies on the lying liars who tell them. I know. If you believe that, I've got some swamp land to sell you. <laughs> oh, God, some... dude. That trailer, I happened to be home, and I caught that trailer live on G4 when it was broadcast. Oh, my God. That looks okay. so good. Okay, all right. Oh, we, all right, we got to stop the show. We got to stop the show right now because Pre- Preacher 23 
just told his wife that she could have an affair with Sam if he plays in his game. Really? So, Sam, Whitworth, <coughs> if, if you're speaking of the video game Star Wars personalities, if you are listening, sir, um, that, oh, that's some, some, some free action for you. He's listening. And Preacher, it, go ahead and send a picture in, and Sam will make a decision, okay? <laughs> because, Very after nice. all, I mean, we've personally met, and he is D20 Radio's own Sam Whitworth, so... Oh, well, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, you might tell your wife about this before you offer her up as bait. I personally hate objectifying women. I think it's a terrible thing to do. But hey, if that's your game, dude. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we talked to, <laughs> we'll talk about Danica Patrick later. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe I missed her. 20 miles away, and I missed her. Oh, well. Oh, well. <sighs> well, so we had your podcast come out, obviously, Good just job. what? And. 20 minutes ago, right? 20 minutes ago, yep. But, but it's hey. Been a, it's been a big freaking week for the network, man. Um, We've got I know Minnie's Mayhem, they got episode six out. The laziness. Uh, Brad and Tenny, they, no uh, they take the time to delve into the shiny guys, R2 and 3PO, and share their passion and wisdom of the humble mini. The humble mini, yes, absolutely. Meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast has come back again with the unbelievable Mostly Joe, or at least his ability to snag the unsnaggable. No joke. Aaron wow. Sullivan and Matthew Kaiser join him to talk about the new swords and sorcery supplements for mutant, mutants and masterminds. See, look, I'm slurring my words now. That's what happens. <laughs> and they get jiggy with the ways to get that comic feel into your game. So, you know. I love it. Yeah. I love it, dude. And uh, so, obviously... um, if, uh, you know, I, and again, I, I want to kind of return because uh, we did talk about the podcast you just released as well. Right. But there was also, you guys did like a half cast midweek, yes? Yeah, we did an emergency E3 episode on Monday because that trailer. Hit. Oh, okay. gosh, that trailer was just the, Brian said it was the best piece of Star Wars cinematography since episode three, episode uh, six, since Return of the <laughs> Jedi. Okay, and that was, what, 25 years ago? Uh, I don't know that I quite agree with that, but I get his point of view. Yeah, I mean... But no, it's, it's, you, you guys have been eating up the freaking airwaves, though. I love it. Yeah, oh, um, of course. I mean, there's so much to talk about about that game. It's just about to come out. Um, oh, well, no, it's not about to come out by any stretch of the imagination, but... <laughs> dude, I'm excited about it, man. I know, I know, dude. It, it's very awesome. I'm I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. Yep. And Brian's excited. You gotta just... He, he, he's just so excited we talked to him about it. But um, Everybody so say two... hi to Taylor behind me, by the way. Hi, Taylor. <laughs> so we've had Minnie's Mayhem come out with episode six. Meanwhile, has come out with uh, Joe's episode, uh, recent episode. We've had two from the Holocron. And and if you can't get enough of Brian, uh, Fiddleback's dulcet tones. Uh, Game On's got a new episode up, episode 22, um, that is very close to my heart. Uh, it is part three of three of Brian, Andy, and Jake's journey into planning a Star Wars Saga Edition game. And um, there's really good advice to be had in that episode. Absolutely. So guess what? What? Radio Free Homelet has hit very near and dear to my heart with Ep- Adventure 22 about the shaman. Ah, yes. Indeed. They have some good world-building advice and um, kind of get back to some introductory uh, player advice from Tim and Kate. So it is a uh, it is a really good episode for just about everyone if you're into D&D 4E. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, also, we have two other announcements in terms of podcasting glory. From the depths of, oh my gosh, it came out, and we're so excited by this. Uh, I, I was, this, this posted, and I didn't even know it was going to happen. 
Um, D20 Radio proudly welcomes the first three episodes of <laughs> The Minus World, uh, Jake and Dylan's podcast about video gaming. Uh, and I, we, I mean, we talked about um, Jake Jake and Dylan had wanted to do this for a while, and it was, you know, like, what was it, like a month ago, they said, hey, we want to do this, and we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, put something together and get it to us, and all of a sudden, boom, they yep. do three episodes about E3. I know. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, it's like a general excuse to geek out, and uh, for Pete's sake, the, the, I, I just listened to the first one, and they set the, the bar pretty damn high. I know, and, and that's the thing, for, for a brand new... Um, for a brand new episode, dude. I mean, the first—it's probably the best of the first episodes for any of our shows. I would, I would definitely agree. So, kudos, guys, and congrats! Welcome to D Twenty Radio. Um, so that's that's totally awesome. That's right. So, speaking of welcomes, we've got Department Seven that's coming on board. Uh, Agent Vincent, yes. Keith, and Rick—they're going to blow your mind when it comes to modern D Twenty Modern. And remember. Department 7 does not exist uh, yes. in this world here today. So, all right, I want to take the time to look at that. Episode number 69, we've got 69 people in the chat room. Echo Base, <laughs> welcome, Echo Base. You guys are awesome. I, I, I do enjoy Echo Base. It's great to be able to have the live chat. Heck and yeah. um, and uh, a lot of the people in the chat room have been asking er, currently about uh, some of the contests we've been having. I had somebody PM me earlier. Uh, we've got a couple contests. Well, one big contest going on right now. It's kind of broken up into two parts. Um, uh, if you guys are any uh, minis painters or modifiers, uh, thanks to uh, the wonderful folks at Reaper Miniatures, we have an absolutely huge bundle of swag we are giving away for the best modified and painted Star Wars slash sci-fi mini and the best uh, modified or not and, and painted uh, fantasy mini. And that contest is up on the forums right now at d20radio.com slash forum. And the winner or winners of the two separate contests, uh, which is being judged entirely by the fine folks at Reaper Minis, will be receiving a massive bundle of swag. So it is goodness. It is absolutely goodness. And yeah, Preacher, you're wondering where TG is. She actually has family commitments tonight. She does have family commitments tonight. I'm 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 missing TG actually. Um, I've got to I've got to work tomorrow. Uh, or I'd be out there too. <laughs> but I'm glad we were able to do this tonight. Yep. So yeah. yep. So we're getting it in. So absolutely, man. All right. So con goodness. Oh, by the way, I have this. Yo. I have I have one little thing for uh, for con goodness. And if I can find it because of my disorganized state, mm. uh, I'm gonna play it. Well, you look. Let me talk about Hi origins. Hi guys, this is Darth John, and I just wanted to ask: um, Are you? Do you guys have uh, any plans to go to um, the Penny Arcade Expo? Because seriously, I really, really would like to meet um, GM Dave and GM Chris. Um, but I can't go to Gen Con money issues. But please, if you can go to um, PAX, because I'm not going. Going to be able to get to any other major gaming conventions, but PAX I can get to. If you decide to come to PAX, uh, please let me know on the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, goodbye. Darth John, you go, John. Darth John for the win. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, here they come in the chat room. Yep. Yeah. Send, send that send kid that a kid t-shirt. A oh man. Uh, he is. <laughs> he has all of a sudden become the uh, the unofficial spokesman. For D twenty radio, for D twenty radio, the Order sixty six podcast, yeah, I am I am blown away. And and to, awesome to answer your question, John, 
um, my not, not only my travel budget, but also my, my my own vacation time has pretty much been sapped for the year. I pretty much have the time uh, for only one con this year, and, and Gen Con has already been booked and paid for, so I will not be coming out to PAX. Um, but uh, yeah. with with the glowing endorsement, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do, and you just might see me there next year. Yeah, it's in Seattle, which is great. But I just came back from, I just became, I just came back from that glorious trip to California, and yeah. so I've been on the left coast, and I am headed to for the far east now in in about two weeks, and so now all of a sudden, I uh, I'm I'm kind of out of time to to go on vacation, John. So uh, probably not this year, but maybe next year, buddy. Besides, now that we know who you are, we're gonna have to like get in touch with you somehow and get you Absolutely. on Skype or something if your parents let us, and uh, you can start voicing stuff for the show. That's gonna be awesome. Absolutely, the unofficial I'm... spokesman for D Twenty Radio, right there. I'm stoked. But PAX is coming up, and also coming up is Origins. Um, and of course, we've been pimping this out. It's got really coming up soon here. Uh, Origins Game Fair, Columbus, Ohio, June 24th through 28th, and our very own Duncan McEwen, Vader's son on the forums. Uh, we'll be running some Star Wars, uh, The Death of the Star of Agnor, uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 2 p.m., and he'll also be running the Betrayal of Darth Revan module at 9 a.m. on Friday. Be there. And uh, you guys can find out more information at www.originsgamefair.com. Hey, big shout-out to Jake, speaking of that left coast. Yeah, big shout-out to has joined the chat room, dude. Oh, how, how you doing, that? Jake? Uh, we'll see, one of my former players, Gamer Nation, who left us to pursue, you know, career in entertainment in L.A. God. <laughs> it is doing rather well at it. We miss you, buddy. We miss you. Slacker. What is that? Is the Elias, you get booted out for, for calling Jake a slacker. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> Elias, he's probably, you know, Elias, he's probably standing there right now, actually. He's listening to our show, and he's per- he's got perfect posture, and he's <clears throat> either chewing on the end of his glasses or he's got his pipe in his mouth, and he's holding his sweater but with both hands and he's saying hmm, i wonder if i should listen to this show see you certainly you should oh did y'all hear that i'm sorry <laughs> they're telling me to mute my facebook <laughs> <clears throat> well there you go well there you go i'd say you should just close it and leave it and you should pay attention because sir yes. i have in front of me you have a postcard hey, don't you a postcard from our good friend, Commander Cody. I bet you do. Well, dude, I'm sorry I don't have any left. Um, this postcard was actually shipped to me with a, a tin of sweet, salty, deliciously tasty Ricknit eggs. Mm. Uh, TG and I already ate them on some toast points. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, th- this this Imperial-grade postcard is uh, stamped with the Imperial Travel Board logo. And it has a standard picture on it of a blue and green world covered with forests, jungles, and swamps. And the words on it read, The Empire welcomes you to New Plimpto, citizen. Be sure to ask the wonderfully subservient Nosorian population about the Ricknit eggs. Ew. <laughs> from across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dive and GM Chris. Hi, guys. Our unit is traveling to the other side of the galaxy, but we've made a stop over to the Core Worlds and the Corellian Sector to supply up at the base on Karsten Moon. The moon to New Plimpto. I took the time to take in the sights. 
New Plimpto itself is home to very few natural resources, but their most famous export are the delicious caviar of the Ricknit, a tree-dwelling crustacean. You know, good Ricknit eggs are hard to find, and the of the Republic, incompetent Chancellor Venus Valorum, declared the beast an endangered species. Ha! Eggs like these need to be eaten, gents. That's all I'm saying. New Plimpto itself is a temperate, tropical world, with small oceans and large land masses that are filled with forests and swampy jungle. This world is home to the Nosaurians, a lizard-like race with several horns jutting from their heads. These traders sided with the Separatists during the war, and even tried to resist Imperial occupation shortly after the war, though the heroic boys in white of the 501st gloriously crushed them under their well-heeled boots. Now, these aliens are properly subservient, and take our oversight of their world with the respect that should be afforded to the Empire. Well guys, I better be off. There's gonna be a barbecue at Carson Moon. Moff Bourdain says he's grilling up Ricknit on the barbie. I can't wait. Enjoy the eggs, boys. And if you're ever in the cool world, stop by New Plimpto. Your taste buds will thank you. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Well, they well, were delicious, man. I'm, I'm sorry I, I couldn't save any for you. They're a little addictive, actually. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm, I have a strange urge to get some more now, like 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 right now. Like, like I'm trying to find dealers online, yeah. Yeah, I bet you are. Mm. Somehow I just bet you are. Mm. Mm. D20 docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. All right. Ah, yes. Time for the docking bay, boys and girls. We tackle your hard-hitting questions with a few answers of our own. So let's begin with Astral Rune, who has two questions about some KOTOR force powers that he posted on our forums. So, okay. question number one. Okay. <laughs> about a Sith talent. Page 40 of the KOTOR book, Sith Talent Tree. The Affliction talent states that when you deal damage with any force power, your target takes 2d6 damage at the beginning of its next turn. So my question is this. If I use force thrust to purposely throw my target into something larger, like hurling a PC at a wall, for example. Hey, you saw that in a trailer, did you not? <laughs> to deal 1d6 of damage. Am I correct in believing this residual damage would still apply since the force power dealt the damage? I believe this is true since I can spend a force point on my force thrust to deal 2d6 damage instead because of uh, damage from the extreme force of the thrust, as the power describes on page 60, uh, 98 of the core rulebook. Or, in fact, would my Sith be required to spend the force point to deal 2d6 damage to activate the affliction power. <clears throat> well. Uh, okay, first of all, force thrust does not deal damage. The wall does. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I think you're overthinking this just a tad, um, Astral but here's my take. Now, for those of you not familiar with Affliction, it's a really nasty power. And I remember when the Betrayal of Darth Revan came out, the module, and we were playing it at, at Gen Con last year. Um, it, we kind of got the first glimpse of this in action because the BBEG had it. And basically, if, if, you, if you get hit with a force power that deals damage and you take damage, um, 
and he uses affliction, the next round you take another two die six of damage. Um, it's it's really kind of nasty. Um, at one point in time, I would have said that affliction would work on force thrust, but not now. Why you might ask? Because of a related ruling that Rodney Thompson shared with us this past week. When asked about the devastating power force secret, he advised that it doesn't apply to force powers that deal quote-unquote extra dice of damage. The heart of the ruling, though, was the distinction between the damage-dealing force powers and force powers like Battlestrike, which add damage to an existing attack. Okay. Now, I personally rule that force thrust falls into that latter category. Again, the power is not damaging you. The wall is. And furthermore, you can activate the power with no damage at all if there's no wall to throw you into. Um, the damaging aspect is not a direct result of the force power. It's just an effect of what you've done. Uh, I'd rule the same for move object as well, quite frankly. So compared to a directly damaging power like force lightning or, or force uh, slam, uh, this makes sense to me. You know, others might disagree, but that's my ruling, and that's why. That's your ruling, and you're sticking to it, by golly. By golly. By golly. Okay, so <clears throat> number two. Oh, wait, 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 question number two. Thank you. I love that. Okay, question about energy resistance. The core rulebook says that unless specifically stated, lightsabers ignore DR. That's what we call in the industry damage reduction. (laughs) Thank you, Kreskin. (laughs) The force power energy resistance in KOTOR, page 50, grants DR against any energy damage. Would I be safe in allowing energy resistance to use to work against lightsabers? Since, being a force power, I would assume Jedi would have developed this power to protect themselves against the Sith's weapons. I don't want to punish my player for trying to survive against lightsaber-wielding Sith, but I'm not sure if this application of energy resistance goes against the spirit of the game. (sighs) Well, Well, you know, I mean, you answered the question by asking it, but go ahead. Yeah, yes, you did. Um... It, it might seem to make a lot of sense to allow energy resistance to work against lightsabers. However, as you point out, the, the core rulebook answers the question for us. The core rules state that lightsabers ignore any DR unless it's called out specifically. And this power does not call out lightsabers. It says energy damage, but that is rather general. And the specific always trumps the general. The power doesn't call out that the DR works against lightsabers, so it doesn't. Simple, easy, peasy. And this has been clarified by the developers. Um, in, in my opinion, this power is designed to give you a version of Force Shield that is easier to use, but not quite as powerful, as in it won't work against like Vibro weapons. Um, now, if you want to allow the power to work against lightsabers, I don't think it'll break your game. Um, but, I mean, if you've got a Force user capable of using it, I would encourage them to use Block as a primary lightsaber defense, as that's what it was you know, intended for. Mint. And I would argue is a, a bit more effective. Yeah, man. Yeah. Caught my first tube today. Caught my first tube today. Okay, so um, I have an audio question we're going to insert here. Oh, okay. And this is from the new star of D20 Radio, uh, GM. Darth. <laughs> Sith. Whatever. John. Darth. 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 John. Darth. <laughs> I can't remember from one day to the next here, man. I haven't heard this yet, so I'm excited. Lay it on me. I'm like totally wasted, man. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Darth John. I just wanted to ask, um, is it true that um, you can use a mechanics check to, um, I don't know, reverse um, the switch on a um, blaster that has um, auto-fire, stun, and uh, kill? If so, just 
please tell me. This would make um, a great question. Thanks a lot. Bye. There you go. I don't know what he means by reverse the switch. That's okay. That was my question too. By reverse, reverse the switch. Um, he did talk about a mechanics check. So what I'm thinking is, can you take a take, can you take an auto fire weapon? Do auto you know typically do we have very many auto fire weapons that have stun on it? Um, yeah, actually. Um, oh, we do. Uh, if, if if it's a rifle with auto fire capability, it does also have a stun setting in most cases. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, by reversing the switch, I'm assuming he means one of two things. First, can you modify to remove the stun setting, and the answer is yes. Yes, you can. But not just with a mechanics check. You need to, well, well, no, excuse me, you can strip it. I apologize, of course. Yeah, you can strip the stun, stun setting off, yes. You can also strip the auto-fire capability off. Right. Yeah, that's why I was modifying the weapon in some way, shape, or form, and... There's lots of uh, what scum and villainy has lots of mechanics yes. on how to modify your weapons. Yes, and on how to strip it. Um, the point in doing such a thing, though, uh, John, would be to gain more um, upgrade slots for the item uh, in question. And you can only strip an item once. So if something has, you know, say, auto fire and stun, you can't strip both off. You can only strip off one. So. Right. So, yeah. But you can always switch between modes, as the chat room is pointing out. Of course, you can switch between modes at the flip of a switch. Oh, yes. Okay. If, if, that's, what, if that's what he's asking in terms of, you know, can't like, like, so, yeah. Now, Rodney clarified this early on. Think of it, John, like a, like a, a three-way switch. Um, you, can, you can do auto-fire, lethal, or stun. You can switch between the, true, between the three freely as a swift action on your turn. No limitation. Right. So there you go. However, they are separate settings, so you can't do like a stunning auto-fire. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So there you go, Darth John. Please get back in touch with us. <laughs> okay, list. back to uh, back to questions coming in via email and such. Knight Errant JR has a good question. Uh, who writes, So, so, I know that if a character with Jedi levels doesn't have Force sensitivity... Paraphrasing now, from multi-classing into the class. They cannot take any talents that require you to roll a use the force check, or that can be enhanced with a force point, or any talent that has one of the aforementioned talents as a prerequisite, naturally. For the most part, this is fairly straightforward, but I was wondering about throw lightsaber, which we saw an awesome, awesome thing in that trailer for... Uh, no joke. sweater, dude. That was like a boomerang throw. Okay. Uh, left turn. To actually throw the lightsaber, you make an attack roll, not to use the force check. So just throwing a lightsaber would not fall under the above restrictions. However, the second part of the talent says you make a use the force check to call it back to you. Aha. Uh -huh. Strictly speaking, part of the talent does require use the force check, but would it be legal for a non-force-sensitive Jedi to take this talent and just not have the ability to call the lightsaber back to himself? Okay. Yeah. Well, sir, to, to, to the best of my knowledge, there has not actually been any ruling at all which says non-force sensitives cannot take any talent in the Jedi class. There simply means they just can't use the talent. <laughs> if you can't make it use the force check, you can't use the talent. There's nothing to stop you from taking it and just having it be a wasted talent. Um, now, folks, assume that you can't take it, and that, that's a good assumption. Because these talents are completely useless to such a character, 
but there's really been no real ruling on it. I mean, such a character, like, you know, let's say a soldier who multi-classes into Jedi and only picks up what proficiency lightsaber, they could take, block, or deflect. It would just be an utter waste of a talent, since they can't make use the force checks. So, throw lightsaber would be a perfectly valid. Um, but obviously, as you point out, you just couldn't pull it back to you. All right? and Now, think about what I just said, and pick up your Jedi Academy training manuals, Ooh. and turn to the Awaken Force Regimen, and uh, get back to me. After you realize the coolness therein, yummy. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> In a world full a of world. force and Jedi academies, <laughs> I did this a whole lot better when I was sick. I could really make my voice do some really good stuff. Yeah, you go one of two ways when you're sick. You either sound like you're like a, you know a, a bloated frog, like beating a dead horse, or you sound like you know the ultimate deep voice man. Yes, I've been smoking for 10 years. Been smoking cloves for 10 years, unfiltered. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that or you come out like movie phone guy. Okay, so, Smanisman. From the Netherlands. Yeah, das ist gut. No, that, that's, that's, that's German. Oh, that's the Rhineland. I forgot. Okay, <laughs> I don't know how the Netherlands speakish. So I'll just say Smanisman. Has a question that draws together a great deal of ire from different sides of the interwebs. Oh, yes, it does. All right, so here's, okay, he says, a bit of a silly question. Do the rules say anything about manipulating objects that a character has on him or her? So, for example, if I wanted to toggle the power switch on a lightsaber to turn on when a character is wearing it on his or her belt... Thus, at the very least, distracting them by burning their pants. <laughs> Would that fall under the attended items rule? Yes. But. All right. Now, there's two ways you can do this. All right. You can you, you could be talking about reaching out there and trying to grab it, or you can be talking about actually using the force, maybe the move light object application. Um, now, as far as reaching out and trying to, to grab it to physically manipulate it goes, the rules are kind of silent on that, but to physically reach out and touch somebody or something on them, there are rules for that. It is called a grab attack. That's pretty straightforward. Um, now, what I would really like to talk about, and this is kind of where the discussion led on the forums, was the move light object application of the use the force skill. Ken, I mean, seriously, Dave, I mean, do you remember when we were playing um, the alternate universe game recently, and you guys were trying to sneak into this Republic base, and... Uh, uh, Brev's character was was invisible with cloak, and he reached out and tried to like yank a uh, code cylinder off the belt of uh, one of the stormtroopers and kind of call it to him. Does that yeah, ring I remember that. At all? Yeah, I do, actually. So, I mean, the question is, you know, c can that can that be done? Well, the move light object application of the use the force skill. It doesn't specify that it, it doesn't work on an attended object. The only clarification that has been made uh, that it and move object power don't work on held objects. There is a distinction. A held object is an attended object, yes, but not all attended objects are held objects. Uh, the developer clarification came in the wake that force disarm is used to yank held objects. And since that exists, other force abilities shouldn't replicate it unless specifically called out. But move light object can easily be used to yank something not being held. I mean, just just ask uh, ask Jabba's guard uh, when Luke yanked that pistol from his holster in uh, in in his palace on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, 
As for manipulating stuff somebody's wearing, that's entirely doable as well. I think the lightsaber trick is nasty. And, uh, you know, this is probably why all those nifty lockable lightsaber switches uh, options are available in the game in uh, Jedi Academy Training Manual now. Now, if you happen to find that ruling and that bit of raw a bit too broken, and some people do, a common house rule that I've seen is to apply the attacking and object rules from page 161 of the core rulebook, uh, in which case you would make or use the force check versus the attended object's reflex defense, which is 10 plus the object size modifier plus the carrier's reflex defense, which is really hard to do. But that's one option. But as far as the raw goes, yeah, man, you can totally do this. And what a great <laughs> role-playing aspect. That's creative. I reward crap like that in my games. Yeah, me too. At least I try. Well, I don't know that I do a whole lot of games, actually. <laughs> well, uh, so what's the speaking of, what is the status on your up-and-coming up campaign, sir? Well, you know, that sort of stuff is um, it's a work in progress. You know, we've switched over to where... Mysteriously, it's going to be set 300 years after the events of uh, the Knights of the Old Republic. It's not going to be. It's not going to be Clone Wars anymore because everybody knew that the end game of this thing was going to be. You know that some somebody in the party I was going to allow to be a Jedi just because they were going to be a butthead and want to be a Jedi within the Clone Wars, and that that was all well and good, so they could kick butt and all that. Uh, but Order sixty six was going to happen as as the end of the uh, as the end of the the entire adventure. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. Order sixty six was going to wrap up the campaign. Yeah. And so, what was going to happen ultimately is that three or four of the group were going to turn on one, or maybe not. Yeah. And um, and that was going to be the defining moment, basically, of you know, Order sixty six happens. And they make a decision, and if they don't turn on them, then the entire party gets killed because that's the way it would go. Instead of one person being killed, the, imparti- the entire party gets killed. The deserters yeah. for not following orders, and then the one. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to play, man. It really is. Did I tell you about Tenny's game, uh, where it was his very first session that he's running the Clone Wars game? Uh, well, I, I don't know if we're going to play it again. We haven't played it in a long time, but we, we were all clones. And uh, we came across this Jedi that, you know, was wounded um, and was just waking up. And all of a sudden we got this call on our comm links at the end of the session that said, you know, execute order 66. And we all just kind of stared at each other. And God bless Brev, Mr. Roleplaying. He immediately turns to Bre- turns to Tenny and says, I put my gun to his head, destiny point. <laughs> it's like, whoa. That's beautiful. Okay. Hey, that's the way, yeah. it's, and that's the way I would expect. I would, I would hope so. And I, I played along too. I was like, "Yep, I'm doing it." And poor Robert, who was the third man in the party, he was like, "What? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, 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 I'm like, dude, we're clones. We were given an order. Kill him. You know, but, but, but." That's hey, it. That's, was yeah. It was great. It was absolutely great. Okay, back to the program. Uh, back to the program. Lindley, how's this? Lindley, I have a question about telekinetic. Prodigy Talent, page 88 of the Force Unleashed Campaign Guide. According to Raw, when you take the Force Training feat and select Move Object as one of your Force Powers, you can also select one extra power to add your Force Suite for free. The power must be one of the powers affected by the Telekinetic Savant Talent. Ah. You can gain only one extra power each time you take the Force Training feat, regardless of how many times you choose the Move Object Power. So... 
If someone has previously taken force training once before getting this talent and have move object, would they be able to retroactively pick out an extra power after taking this talent? Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah, absolutely. Remember, Saga, Saga is a terribly retroactive mechanical system. It was designed as such. If your con bumps, you get hit points for every level you have. If your wisdom bumps, you learn new force powers for each force training feat you have. Same logic applies. If you gain telekinetic prodigy and you already have move object, you'll immediately add that new force power to your suite. If you yep. have force training three times and move object three times and you take this talent, you immediately gain three new force powers. There you yep. go. That's how it is. Beautiful. 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 All right, man. All right, so now we have oh, Agent dear. Vincent. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay. All right. I'm, question, I'm prepared for this. Question that begs to be heard. My question for you is, I remember hearing in the past that just because a class is called Jedi doesn't mean it's a classical movie Jedi, and it should be called Monkey-Wielding Lightsaber Force Wizard or something similar. <laughs> and you could take the class and not be a Jedi for like movie style. Question. My GM argues with me. Finally, I get to play. It says that <laughs> it says Jedi. It's a Jedi. So I said it's not. So can you provide me with examples of what this class could be so I can use this class and not pick another class to waste feats to get the same thing? So how would I explain the lightsaber. I, I wish I had a warning bell here. Okay. Um, this is going to be tough, Vince. Uh, let me tell you why. Fair warning, rant imminent. Um, I'm going to preface this rant with the ultimate statement of truth. Capital T. Take note. First and foremost, Vince, and I hope your GM is listening to this as well as you, your GM rules the roost. It is his game his story etc and if in his game a member of the jedi class has to eat with a knife and fork a live puppy every morning so be it <laughs> that is his call now having said that i do disagree with him to an extent and as a player you have the right to present your argument and if he is a good gm and if he's your friend i don't doubt he is he will at least listen to it but afterwards his call should stand one way or the other and be respected now having said that Many have often said that naming the class Jedi was a necessary evil. Okay, look look at the classes, Vince. GM, look at the classes. There's only five classes. Five. Five! They are meant to be so generic that each one could describe a gamut of careers, beliefs, personalities. Why then would the Jedi class break that rule in a galaxy of six trillion sentient beings with only a few thousand members of the Jedi Order at any given point. Why specialize to that degree? One-fifth of our class choices describing one billionth of the galactic population, i.e. members of the Jedi Order? I'll tell you why they named it thusly. Because for the casual Star Wars gamer picking up the book and not seeing a class called Jedi in there, they would freak out and hate it. What? There's no Jedi class. This isn't Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, look. The the intent was to represent a class with, in my opinion, formal training in the Force and with lightsabers. Okay? Now, do most members of the Jedi Order, actual movie-style Jedi, have levels in the Jedi class? Well, of course. 
the Jedi Order represents an organization that trains its members formally in the use of lightsaber combat and the Force. But are all those who thusly have levels in the Jedi class actual Jedi movie style? Believers in the Jedi tradition? Jedi. Absolutely not. My best example of this, I'm trying to keep it to the core rulebook for simplicity here, is on page 269 of that very same core rulebook. Take a look at Emperor Palpatine's stat block. You see that level he has in Jedi? Does that mean that old Palps was trained by the Jedi Order? That he was at one time a Jedi? No. The Order never even knew he was Force-sensitive, for Pete's sake. After becoming a powerful noble, Palpatine was taken on by Darth Plagueis as his apprentice, and that level in the Jedi class represents the formal training that Palpatine received from the Sith Lord before he could qualify for his own prestige classes, Sith Apprentice and Sith Lord. Examples like this abound in the other books, okay? Died in the Wool Sith have their first seven levels in the Jedi class. Why? Are they Jedi? Were they ever Jedi? No. But the class represents trained lightsaber slash force combat. Now, you know, Dave, do you remember Rodney Thompson once said something on our show that the original stat block incarnation of General Grievous actually had several levels of the Jedi class to represent his lightsaber training? Right. Even though he never took the Force Sensitivity feat, he simply you know, chose lightsaber proficiency when he multiclassing as the Jedi. Which, by the way, even a droid can do, and that has been confirmed by the developers as well, as long as they don't take Force Sensitivity. Does that mean a droid can be a Jedi even though they can take levels in the Jedi class without Force Sensitivity? Certainly not. Oh, no. And so that's my piece, okay? I've said it. I hope it sways your fine GM, all right? It, look, in, in my own games... If you are going to swing a lightsaber, which lots of non-Jedi do, and you're going to use the Force, the Jedi class is open to you. The class itself has no statement of prerequisites about having to be a part of the Jedi Order in order to take levels in this class, unlike the Jedi Knight Prestige class. But having said that, your GM's rule, again, is the rule. And in his world, if all player characters with levels in the Jedi class need to be a part of the Jedi Order, that is his call. But... Mm. Oh. A few bullets for your gun, sir. It is. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. See, right right there, uh, uh, Jake is in the chat right now saying that if you look at Proxy, Proxy's stat block from the Force Unleashed campaign guide, he's got, uh, he has several levels in Jedi. Yep. So there you go. And if you guys watched the trailer for uh, SWTOR, the guy that voiced Proxy, Sam's friend, mm-hmm. also did the trailer. Yes. God. So for SWTOR. Yep. Oh, I love it. How awesome is that? Okay, so let's take a little bit of a break for all of 38 seconds and listen to this. And now, Stormtrooper Poetry. We have a busy life in the Empire. Lots of running and blaster fire. When we get a chance to relax, sometimes we like to hit the sacks. Others like to drink and party, dancing hard and playing hardy. Myself, I enjoy a lovely smoke. Say a Jawa hit from about 50 yards out. They go up in flames. It's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And you'd think we were sending smoke signals to somebody. It's really pretty damn cool. You ought to check it out. Stormtrooper poetry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I love that one. That one's funny. That one's excellent. They both are. Excellent. Thank you, Brian, for that wonderful piece of fine. Thank you for that wonderful music. Let's go. Let's boogaloo till we puke. Or not. Let's do this.
Senate will come to order. Chancellor, request a motion to suspend the rules. You were gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Sergeant. Motion granted. All right, what you got for us there, Chief? Wow, I got a rule. Well, first of all, I like calling this segment, You Have Been Found Deficient. Um, this is a really interesting house rule that was brought forth by Pedro Stecasilo. I voted for Pedro. I'll just have you know. Pedro, <laughs> Also, have you know, you, according buddy. to his profile, he lives in Western Canada. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, he knows <laughs> this. He says, I call this rule deficiency. This is a role-playing focused house rule that is mostly utilized for comedic purposes and really shouldn't be used in a serious campaign with a high death rate. The deficiency rule compels every player character to select a single skill in which they possess an almost unreal level of, of ineptness. <laughs> in mechanical terms, this skill takes a minus five penalty on all roles associated with it, and in role-playing terms, it should be played for comedic effect. Now, in, in Kat's current home game, uh, which I got a chance to play in last weekend, ooh, ooh, go Kat, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, she, she implemented this rule with another twist. Um, first of all, in, in, when she implemented it, it was, it, was a, it was a choice. It was not mandatory. Um, and second of all, if you chose to do it, you could take the minus five in one skill and get a plus two bonus in another skill, anything except use the force uh, for doing so. Um, and it played out hilariously, man. Um, we all use it to really great effect. Like I know, like TG's character, what is this, uh, like stealthy scoundrelly thief spy Togruta lady thing, and uh, she ended up taking a minus five to treat injury, and it was hilarious because she would walk around convinced that she was amazing at trying to help people at treat injury, and she would, you know, for comedic purposes, role playing wise, you know, like, oh, I try to patch him up. I rolled a three. Okay, well, you damage him worse. You know, oh crap. <laughs> um, it was. <laughs> It was it was it was absolutely hilarious. So I don't know. I think I think this is full of chock full of role playing goodness, man. What do you think? I like it, especially when it's used for good comedic effect. I uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I I just it is. I mean, imagine okay. Imagine Salora having to do this. <laughs> well, but see, and what what cracked me was if Salora took like the minus five to something like. I don't know, persuasion or. That's uh, what I was exactly thinking. Was <laughs> that the the yeah or or, or like I mean, initiative? So like, yeah. You know something. I'm just always last. I'm uh, <laughs> you know I'm the big badass carrying the rifle. Ah! But I'm last what, in the combat going? every time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, what? Exactly. <laughs> Did somebody exactly. shoot it? Did somebody shoot at me? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Or persuasion, you know, like, well, I want to try and talk to him. Okay, give me a persuasion check. Two. Okay, well, you try to appeal to him passionately, but and you end up, you know, roaring and, you know, Shri Woken, swinging your arms about. He's very afraid he runs away. <laughs> Jake's got it right. Deficiency in deception. <laughs> or, or, or stealth. Oh, my gosh. That's, uh, that's just See the great. character, like, tiptoeing across an open room in broad daylight. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's brilliant. Oh man, what a fun, what a fun little idea, and certainly a wonderful way to add a lot of good role playing to your game. So, good suggestion, Pedro. Thank you. 
And if yes. you guys have any suggestions for suspending the rules, you can, of course, post them up on our forums at www.d20radio.com slash forum. If you guys have any questions for the D20 Docking Bay or any other uh, bumpers you might like to send us, you can do what Darth John did. You can give us a call. Where, Dave? Let's see. Area code 206 5872 which actually spells out Loser! L-U-S-A. Yep. Or, you know, now we've got a geek line on the other show. Oh, that's right. You do for the like, right. People are getting phone numbers all over the I place, know, it's man. like 265-218-GEEK or something. And geek is Jedi backwards on the phone. Just thought, <laughs> just thought you would Thank get a you. kick I, out of that. I do, I do greatly, greatly appreciate uh, it. Yeah, you guys can, of course, it. also email us gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. Yes, indeed. All right, so we're going to take about a four-minute break. We will see you guys on the other side for the Alex and Trevor Show, Fragments from the Rim. Ooh, I can't wait. Exactly. So we shall see you on the other side. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment 17 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about two feats this time, specifically related to a little fun sort of concept I had. I'm going to be looking at the Impulsive Flight feat from page 23 of Scum and Villainy, which allows you to move one more square when you're withdrawing. And then the Slippery Maneuver feat, which is the next page over, page 24 of your Scum and Villainy guide. In this one, first it allows you to use your Dodge feat, which is a requirement, against two opponents. Which is alright, but it's not the thing that I'm most interested in. It's when withdrawing from that opponent that you're dodging, you get to move at full speed. So here's the combination that came to mind. Take a character like uh, Cathar with a movement of 8. Add in the slippery maneuver and the impulsive flight feats. And you can withdraw farther than you move normally. Think about the possibilities that would cause in combat, that you can withdraw and move that much. Something to think about. Over to you, Trevor. And today, I'm going to talk about the dumb luck talent from the scoundrel New Fortune Talents tree. And there, before I go into that, I just want to make mention that one of the cool things I saw in the Scum and Villainy was the fact that you had every class had at least one talent that had multiple uses her encounter and the the uses were all different but it wasn't that a fire and forget kind of thing it had an interesting element and if my memory serves me correctly um, this is because it gives the non-jedi characters more flexibility with some of the stuff that they can do which reflects more what the jedi can do with some of their force powers so anyways dumb luck is an uncanny ability where you can use each one of the following actions once per encounter as a standard action. The first one is elude enemy. Make a single melee or ranged attack against a target within your range, and if you damage them, you get a plus two bonus to your reflex defense until the beginning of your next turn. That's pretty nice. You hit somebody, and you've got a plus to your armor class. Escape. Make a single melee or ranged attack against a target within your range. If that target successfully damages you before the start of your next turn, you can immediately move two squares as a reaction. So essentially, I shoot you. Whether I hit or not is irrelevant. You later shoot me that round or before my next turn, and then I can move two squares anywhere I want to go. Uh, as I've said before in these fragments, I think any opportunity to get additional movement, as exemplified by what Alex said earlier in this, is great. 
Uh, mobility in combat is almost essential. The only thing better than mobility is cover, and the only thing better than cover is not being there. And then the third possible use of dumb luck is make your own luck. You make a single melee or ranged attack against a target within your range. If you miss, you gain a plus two bonus on your next attack roll. Now, the neat thing about that is that it doesn't say attack roll against that same person. It doesn't say your next attack roll the next round. It just says your next attack. So, slightly breaking into the broken concept here, you, you have the ability to, within that encounter, I attack you and I miss... And three rounds later, I attack somebody else, so I have that plus two lingering. What's even more interesting is if you have multiple attacks, you attack with your first attack, you miss, while your second attack actually gets plus two because you missed with your first one, assuming that you use this talent at that time. So it's a really neat concept. The fact that it's dumb luck, I couldn't help but think of uh, Jar Jar during the... Uh, episodes and during those uh, really nice The Clone Wars cartoons where he's always starting to just do the right thing or whatever because of his luck, nothing else. Anyways, if you want to talk to us or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Alex and I at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, keep having fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Good stuff there. Good stuff. Thanks, Alex, Trevor. We greatly appreciate it. That we do. So, you know, from what I heard... Heard, heard, heard. Heard, heard, heard. I heard that it's time... ...for the crunch of the show. (laughs) I'm kind of excited about this crunch. Okay, so... You know, we, we, we were kind of thinking about going back into our Prestige class discussions, guys. And uh, I was kind of, okay, well, Privateer's up next. Okay, well, fortuitously enough, I get an email on Monday night. And do you want to read this, Dave? Okay, I will. It says, GM Chris, I discovered Star Wars Saga Edition about a month ago <clears throat> when one of my friends thought brought me over to try it out. I'd played the West End game version a lot, but didn't care for any of the D20 versions, though I love D&D. So I said, what the heck? I'll give it a try. So now, I'm in love with this system. Totally hooked. (laughs) I found your podcast and went through all the episodes in a few weeks, and I've learned so much. Can you believe that? I mean, dude, that's 68 episodes. That's almost probably 100 and something hours of listening. That's, yeah. That's a lot. And this Saturday night, our normal DM is starting up a Saga Edition Clone Wars campaign. Ooh. So I'm so excited as we're playing as we're all playing clones before Order 66. I know you guys haven't done any of the Clone Wars book yet, but I'm making a tech specialist clone and want to go into military engineer. We're starting at 6th level and I know I've got a couple levels to get there, but I want to plan right. Could you please talk about the military engineer prestige class? It would help me out so much. Thanks. I love the show. That is to say, I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. And this is from Trent in Tempe, Azarona. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Trent. Well, sir, ask and ye shall receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping Trent would be in our chat room tonight. I actually emailed him uh, just back just to say, hey, we'll talk about it tonight. Um, but 
Uh, obviously not checked his email. I hope he'll get this. Um, yeah, it'd be nice. It would be nice. Uh, so tonight, we're going to continue with our prestige class discussion, but just a tad out of order by magnitude of a book or two. Um, yeah. We're going to... We're going to delve into, by, by request, into the Military Engineer Prestige class, which is all about using technical know-how to wreak absolute havoc on the battlefield. Yo, yo. Uh, whether you're stuck in a trench with comrades, you're invading an enemy base, or you're assisting on a starship, the Military Engineer is chock full of flavor and function, able to fix nearly anything, boosting machine and ally, and blowing the holy crap out of whatever gets in his way. Clap. So, younglings, let us slice our way into the Clone Wars campaign guide, page 44, and let's let the military engineer blow us all into tiny little... Yeah, baby. That's 44. That's 4, 4, double 4s, 22 times 2, 44, 88 divided by 2. Let's go. Thank you, Raymond. (laughs) (sighs) Shall Shall you light the fuse, so to speak, sir? Let's light this fuse. Let's talk about what it takes to become a military engineer and some of the basics of what this prestige class gives you. First and foremost, the prerequisites. How to gain access to this prestige class. Dave, what level do you think you need to be at to get access to this prestige class? Um, let me guess. Seven. Eh, wrong! <laughs> no, you must have a base attack bonus of seven for this one. Very correct. Sir. How about and that? And this is, this is one of the rare prestige classes to have a base attack bonus requirement instead of a minimum level requirement. And that right. little requirement actually makes you pause and think about the intent here. Right. This is a character that's going into this with a fair amount of combat ability already. In other words, a military engineer. That's right. Um, so you've pretty much got to stick the soldier in Jedi to get your base attack bonus. Pretty much. Get there now, I, I would recommend peppering in a level or two of, of, of a different class, but we'll we'll come to that. Okay. Now, the other prerequisites, train skills. you got to be trained in two skills. Can you take a wild guess what two skills the military engineer needs to be trained um, in? Mechanics. One? Um, use the force. No. Oh, okay. How about use computer because you're a technophobe? Yeah, pretty much, yes. <laughs> you're a techie! Yeah. All right, I hope you're trained in these things. And you know what? Those two skills are available on the class list of every single class, except the noble, who is not quite mechanically minded. Um, easy peasy, rice and cheesy. Um, what are the <laughs> prerequisites? Um, uh, oh, oh yeah. That's it. That is all, Gamer that, Nation. That's right. That, that, that is it. Two trained skills and a BAB. This is quite possibly the easiest class to get into in the game. So what gives us pause then? Honestly, yes. um, as, as Dave kind of alluded to earlier, the base attack bonus. Yep. The oh, two, the wait, two... wait, wait. Before, before Full-On yeah, Gamer starts his post already, I know that in a fit of, you know, obviously I'm on the sauce a little bit here. So I said technophobe, and as soon as I said it, I knew I meant technophile. So, all right, Full-On oh, oh, full okay. would have made a post saying, come on, guys, get your language right. Phobe file, it's okay, just because he is a technophile. Well, I, you know, I would take offense too. Oh, yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay, Fair so anyway, enough. all right, so anyway, that's it. No trained skills except for those two. All right, and I'll let you go back. Sorry, left yes, turn, left yes. turn. Sorry. <laughs> but no, it's like you were saying earlier, man. It's the base attack bonus that gives you pause. Okay, the the two cl- like introductory classes with the best techie talents in the game are the scoundrel and to a lesser extent, scout. And they both have low base attack bonuses. A straight scoundrel or a straight scout would need 10 levels before they could qualify for this prestige class. I mean, sheesh. So it's like you said, man. 
some soldier levels or maybe even some Jedi levels very necessary to keep pace here, okay? But while soldiers don't carry too many technical talents, and Jedi carry none, um, they've got a few combat options uh, highly suited to the military engineer's special abilities, but we'll get there. So, okay, recommendations. And specifically, Trent, listen up, buddy. This, this is for you, okay? Aside from the required stuff, what might it be a good idea to take? Okay, well, let's talk about your role. Dave, if you're a military engineer, what do you think your role is on a general level during the game? Let's see. Blow things up and fix things. <laughs> um, yeah, just, that's pretty I'm, much it. I mean, I'm just guessing here, you know. Yeah, that, no, that's that's it. You, you, you're, you're really good at, at, at blowing things, at, at you know, patching up damage and setting explosives, okay? You're also the slicer, the, the, the mechanic the party will turn to when they need help with those specific things, okay? So... In that, in, in that vein, with that role in mind, things I can recommend you take before you get to this prestige class, okay? Skill-focused mechanics and use computer are almost expected, as is the tech specialist feat, all right? If you are going to be the man, the ultimate tech specialist, be able to mod your people's gear. That's pretty basic. Um, training and knowledge technology, also very fitting, very flavorful, and very useful. Um, I would also recommend two other very important feats. Far shot and weapon proficiency heavy weapons. Why in the world would I recommend those two things? Well, we'll talk about that in a bit. As far as talents go, now this this harkens back to what you were saying a minute ago, Dave. Um, I personally I personally think that it's actually worth delaying this class um, until ninth level in order to take three levels in Scoundrel um, and getting some of those wicked techie talents. Uh, but the soldier isn't to be scoffed at either. Okay. Um, in terms of the scoundrel, there's both the outlaw tech talent tree from Starships of the Galaxy and the slicer talent tree from the core rulebook with more talents than the Force Unleashed and Scum and Villainy. They're both phenomenal. Okay, Gems that epitomize this prestige class. Fast repairs and quick fix from uh, uh, Starships of the Galaxy. They make you one of the best battlefield repair technicians in the game before this prestige class. Okay. Um, also, I'm a huge fan of gimmick. It is, it is surprisingly often... Uh, how often, when you're accessing a computer system, the ability to enter a command as a swift action instead of a standard comes in real handy. Um, I'm also a fan of electronic forgery, uh, as perhaps a code or a lock that can't be cracked or blown up can be deceived. Um, I also think, uh, lastly, Security Slicer is worth its weight in credits, 1,000 credits to be exact, the credits you don't have to spend on a security kit which is needed to pop a lock and do a whole bunch of other crap. So, things to think about. Now, in terms of the soldier, unle again, unless you feel like waiting 10 levels to get into this class, you're going to want a soldier level or 5, okay? So, yeah. what, talents are, what talents are best going to epitomize <laughs> this role, all right? The most obvious choice for oh. a mechanics, oh. tricked-out military engineer. Do you have any idea? Um, yeah. Demolitionist, baby. Demolitionist <laughs> talent from the commando talent tree. That's right. Plus two dice of damage when placing explosives. It is nice. And and hold on. You, you know what? Yep. It lets uh. you blow things up. Up. Lets you blow things up. See, that's a tagline for a role playing character. It right could there. be the title of this episode. I might add. <laughs> mm. Oh man. And you can take this talent as many times as you want. It stacks. Okay. Um, lastly, for a battle-weary warrior, a guy who's in the trenches a lot, indomitable and tough as nails, almost invaluable. And I would also recommend 
devastating attack, simple weapons. But, again, we'll come to that. Mm. But why, Chris? Why? Tell me now. Oh, oh, I'm going to make you wait. It is suspense, sir. Okay, fine. All right, the basics. Uh, so, all right, so you've decided, so you've met the prerequisites, you've taken your first level or two in military engineer. What do you get for it? What kind of base attack bonus do you think this class has? Um, I'm guessing a bad one. Yes. You are not a fighter. You are an engineer. Okay? You do need uh, fighting yes. ability to get there, but once you do, this prestige class is about support and assistance more so than direct combat. Now, having said that, it does it. have some direct combat, uh, some pretty impressive direct combat options, but we'll get there. Damn it, Jim. I'm now, a mechanic, okay, here's not a fighter. One thing that's, that's very odd about this prestige class, and I kind of like it, is what it does with defenses. You know the normal formula for prestige classes is you get plus four to one defense, plus two to another, right? Right. Th- this prestige class gives you a plus two to all three of your defenses as a class bonus. Kind of like Jedi Knight. So it, it, it's very odd, but it seems to kind of epitomize that jack-of-all-trades character type. You know what I mean? Of course it does. Kind of fitting. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in line with the base attack bonus uh, d- um, justification, there is a D8 hit die. You're, you're not a hardcore combatant, but you're not a squishy noble either. Okay. Right. Well, now I want to rant and rave, rave about the even level ability of this prestige class. It is freaking awesome, Dave. Field created weapon. Yes. Yes. Um, this is so flavorful. This is one of the more interesting even level abilities in the game, and it is so freaking cool. It is so flavorful and yet mechanically viable option in this prestige class. Bottom line, by second level in this prestige class, you don't need to carry a weapon anymore, pretty much. <laughs> you, can, you can piece one together whenever you want. As a standard action, DC 20 mechanics check, you can whip up any personal weapon that you would like from materials on hand as long as they, the thing is it has to have a base credit value less than or equal to 600 credits times your class level. Now what that means, Dave, is that by the time you qualify for it at second level of, of the prestige class, you can whip up any weapon worth 1200 credits or less. Now that paltry list includes such things as a honkin' vibro-axe, a grenade launcher, a flamethrower, a light-repeating blaster, and any medium or smaller rifle or pistol in the core rulebook. And in a few levels, it just gets better. All right? You're throwing blaster cannons together by fifth level. And oh yeah, lightsabers. That is a personal weapon. And you can indeed craft it by fifth level. In addition, whatever weapon you craft gains a bonus on its attack rolls equal to half your class level. By fifth level, that bonus negates the penalty you take for not being proficient, all right? So if I whip up, whip up something crazy, like a lightsaber or a flamethrower, and I don't have the proficiency for it, it doesn't matter. My bonus negates that penalty. Too cool. However, the weapon, of course, and this is very balancing, falls apart at the end of the encounter, and it's utterly useless. <laughs> but wow, dude, how versatile is that? I mean... I know, it's, it's fantastic. Um, it's, I, I just, ugh, I, I just, I, I want to see this in a game. I've yet to see it in a game. The closest I've come is, is Booter in our game. He's got the, uh, the, um, the saboteur who does this with turrets, you know? And as a GM, I love helping come up with the descriptive text of how he does this. I would love to describe how a player whips together a weapon. That is just so freaking awesome. 
Um, and furthermore, I think it's a really neat ability for a character that's denied their weapon habitually, maybe in a social situation or after being captured. Like, can you picture like y'all's party at you know a fancy dress ball where you can't carry any of your weapons, and all of a sudden the shizzle breaks out, and uh, the military engineer runs behind the bar and comes out with you know a flamethrower, you know, with like a, a liquor bottle, you know, tied into a, a pipe and a power conduit, you know, and crap like that. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Now, perhaps being captured, you wake up in a cell with no weapons. Oh, well, let me make one by ripping this conduit out of the wall. I, I, I just think it's awesome. Ah, ah, if you if you can't tell. <laughs> I can, ah. and I love it. You love it. Okay, so, so, so we've lit the fuse, and we've talked about the basics of this prestige class. Let's run, let's run for cover. Uh, the, the military engineer's bread and butter are his wicked set of useful talents from either the Scoundrel's Outlaw Tech Talent Tree, and it's just really nice if you haven't taken any Scoundrel levels until this point, or the new and amazing Military Engineer Talent Tree, which is all about manipulating technology in the heat of battle and provides aiding, buffing, and offensive abilities. Yep. So, okay. The Military Engineer Talent Tree, what is the first talent in that talent tree that, that we should really cover. I think we should talk about repairs on the fly, dude. That's like awesome. I would agree. It's, it's pretty much your bread and butter. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to pause to emphasize this. This talent lets you repair an item, a droid, or a vehicle as a standard action. You can use the repair application of the mechanic skill on one item, droid, or vehicle as a standard action. You know how long that task normally takes, Dave? Um, I don't know. A day. An hour. An hour. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It normally takes an hour, but you're going to do it as a standard action. Correct. That's right. That is, yeah. <laughs> that's unreal. Now, bear in mind, you can only do this once a day to a specific item, droid or vehicle, but still, you be any droid's best friend, um, especially if you also have the next town that we're going to discuss, which is... Droid expert. The droid expert. Yes. So I kind of, I knew this, and it was like a piece of information filed away in the back of my mind, but I absolutely forgot about it until I started playing a droid and cats game. Um, unlike treat injury and first aid, you know how with first aid, if, if like it, when Ula whips out that med pack and, and, and treats injury on Salura, she's going to hit that DC 15, but then any point above 15, she heals you additionally. You know what right. I mean? Yep, yep, yep. Not like that for repair. With repair, you right. get that DC twenty mechanics check. You heal the uh, if it's a droid, you heal them their character level, and that's it. Right, no extra. Okay, well, not anymore. This talent takes that away. Um, you can basically basically treat it like first aid. Yes. Uh, repairs on the fly is a prerequisite for this useful talent to any droid. Very very nice. Next on the list, sir, is another one that is um, very essential to the military engineer slash tech specialist. The quick modification that would be. Yes. And I, I dig this hardcore because it, it works with your um, your your field-created weapon ability. Um, repairs on the fly is also a prerequisite here, um, as is the tech specialist feat, one of the reasons I advise you to take it earlier. Um, when you create a weapon with your field-created weapon ability, you can give it one of the enhancements from the tech specialist feat when you create it. Very, very nice. So, plus two to damage, plus one to hit. Way to go. Yeah. You make you Mike, a real... Mike Gustamucho. Now, okay, now this, him. Next, this <laughs> Mike Gustamucho, I like it a lot. Yeah, baby. 
Lamuja oh. de Timodio and say Lama Maria. Donde esta el telefono? <laughs> <laughs> so there's this, okay, uh, for those of you who don't live in this area, there's this uh, lawyer in Texas named Jim Adler, and it's like the, <laughs> most, uh, the, mo- the most annoying like television advertisement lawyer, you know, you know, call now if you've had a personal injury, I will hammer for every dollar you deserve. I am the Texas hammer, Jim Adler, and... Um, he did this one commercial that was so lame because he, he was trying to do it in Spanish and he was reading the Spanish dialogue and he's just so white and it was Yo estoy Jim Adler El Mortilo Tejano. <laughs> oh man, love it. Yeah. So that that really must make you a problem solver, huh? <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the segue and getting me out of that pit I was digging. Right back on the um, straight and narrow. Okay, dude, the, the, the next few, Problem Solver, Tech Savant, and Vehicular Boost, all kind of, I kind of group together because they are talents that apply when you're in a vehicle. Problem Solver, um, I, I freaking love this, okay? Are nobles mechanics? Not normally, okay? Well, you really wouldn't be able to tell with Problem Solver because with this particular talent, as a mere swift action, once a turn, a single vehicle within your line of sight whose pilot can hear and understand you within your line of sight gets the benefit of this talent. Basically, they ignore all difficult terrain until the start of your next turn, and they gain a plus five bonus to pilot checks to avoid collisions and hazards. And that's very awesome. Um, Now, next, of course, in this little vehicle menagerie of talents Mm. um, is is Tech Savant. More vehicle goodness. Yes. As a standard action, you boost the speed of a vehicle you occupy by one square. Plain and simple. Got to be trained in knowledge technology, though. Is it really uh, one square? <laughs> okay. It is really one square. That that would be a vehicular boost. That would be uh, well, yeah, the vehicular boost being the third talent in that little grouping. Um, okay. Vehicular boost, sheesh. A standard action for a DC 15 mechanics check, which, quite frankly, you shouldn't even have to roll for right. at this point. Um, to grant one vehicle that you occupy bonus hit points equal to five times your class level. Note, though, that multiple uh, bonus hit points from different sources or the same source don't stack. So you can only pretty much do it once. But still, that is very cool. And I like it a lot. And it fits into one of the main builds for the military engineer, which we're going to come to at the end of the discussion. Okay, the, the, next, the next few I really like. The, the, the two that are coming up next are all about uh, doing my, my personal favorite thing for the military engineer, Dave, which is, which is blowing things up. Um, and I'm trying to remember, the, the first talent that we had set aside for that, I believe, was uh, Breaching Explosive? Prepared Explosive. Oh, yeah, Breaching Explosive. Sorry, I was one ahead. Prepa- That's one, one ahead. Bre- breaching and Prepared, Breaching yeah. Explosives and Prepared Explosive are the two talents, indeed. Breaching Explosive is interesting, but I, I find the talent kind of odd. I'll tell you why. What the weird. talent does is that when you plant an explosive, you ignore the damage reduction of the door that you planted on. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's really cool. But I'm willing to bet that at this point, your mechanics check is so high that you're always ignoring the DR when setting explosives anyway, as is detailed in the mechanics skill. So, yeah, I guess. But it's, you know, very, very fun and flavorful. Now, I'm more stoked about prepared explosives, and let me tell you why. Okay? If you... this, This is so crazy weird. Okay, if you prep an explosive or a mine... You can choose to have the blast radius of the explosive become difficult terrain after detonation. 
or if you plant explosives in difficult terrain, you can choose to make it normal terrain after the boom. <laughs> I I don't know. I really like this, man, because it's a very odd talent, and it only really it's effective with advanced planning of some type. And I really like that. Can you like picture like a, a clone spec op squad laying down a trap for a bunch of clankers heading down a narrow path, and then boom, you know, you blow several of them away with this mine, and then the survivors have to deal with difficult terrain uh, stirred up that you left behind. Or, when used the inverse way, it can help prepare a rough battlefield for your allies, maybe you know, when you know a fight's coming. Yep. So, I don't know, I think, I think there's a lot of use for it there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, how do you feel about running games with you know, that level of advanced planning? You know, oftentimes, with the cinematic system, it's so blow-and-go, people don't have a lot of time sometimes to pause and think, but a lot of people take pride in doing that. I think it's a good option. This could, maybe this is a talent that could help encourage that. It could, especially if you're running, say, a... Uh Knights of the Old Republic or KOTOR, I mean, not KOTOR, uh, Clone Wars era campaign where you can give your players some latitude to be able to go and do that. You know, I, I mean, it is and, and war dude, and stuff. And not necessarily KOTOR, but definitely TOR, the Old Republic, when you're talking about that, that Sith Republic war, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. either that time frame Still, that I was talking about or, yeah. you know, Clone Wars. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, the last two talents I want to cover um, in this tree are the two combat-oriented talents, and they're my two favorite ones, and uh, they make you kind of a heavy hitter. So it kind of draws together some of my recommendations from earlier. The first one, sir, is? That would be Breach Cover. Breach Cover. I love this. We have, we have breaching explosives and breaching cover. Ah, um, yes. Breach Cover is pretty simple. When you use a weapon with a burst or a splash radius at a target with cover, they gain no benefit from the cover. Now, that is a big deal. Now, remember, the errata clarified that aiming, which is normally how you would deal with cover, provides zero benefit to an area attack, Okay, which nearly every burst or splash radius attack is an area attack. So that means that those people who have cover are sitting pretty against your grenade or your blaster cannon. Now... You have the only ability in the game to let you negate those cover effects for an area attack. And this is why earlier I recommended heavy weapon proficiency. Because that grenade launcher or that blaster cannon can be used to extreme effect. Because you are, again, the only character with this prestige class that has the ability to ignore cover with that weapon. Yeah. Very cool. It's awesome. Okay, the last talent, sir, is... is sabotage! Is, it's sabotage! Sabotage it. device. I love I it. am... Okay, 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 okay. I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited. Okay. This is okay. my okay. favorite okay. talent in the entire class. I'm going to tell you why. Okay? Why? First of all, it lets you take a swift action to overload an object powered by an energy cell or a power pack and turn it into a frag grenade okay <laughs> it, it is treated as a frag grenade in all ways and it can even be disarmed again with another swift action so think about this you could just pick up a gun from a fallen foe next to you and poof grenade okay hey try this one on for size the humble stun baton 15 credits no license, and it's charged with an energy cell. And, oh, it weighs only half a kilo. So I could even carry them in a bandolier. 
A dozen of them, which is what a bandolier will hold, costs 120 credits, with no licensing fee, compared to 2,400 credits and licensing for 12 frag grenades. Grab a bandolier of batons and go! Now this is where Far Shot, which I recommended earlier, and because it's great for thrown weapons especially, and devastating attacks, simple weapons, will make you very, very happy. Uh-huh. You can become a grenade monkey with nothing but a stun baton! <laughs> I... I freaking you're, love it. Oh, you're a grenade monger, you are. <laughs> oh. I love it. Yeah. All right, so we've set the fuse. We've ran for cover. It's time for the kaboom. Kaboom. Okay, so, 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 so what do you do with all this plethora of knowledge? Well, I think that... I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of fun to a lot of people, and it's going to really turn some eyes toward a tech specialist with... Um, with a lot of, of, of disciplines, you know, that, that can really make for some fun characters. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of characters to play around with with this. Um, yeah. And there are some archetypes that we've identified that can really be epitomized by some of the initial feat choices and the talents that are in this particular prestige class. The first one I like to call Mr. Fixit. When you need a right. hand, call him Mr. Fixit. Mr. Fixit, love it. Basically, you know, you're you're, you're the man. There's nothing you can't fix or modify. Uh, you've got power conduits for arteries and coolant for blood, and you're not even a droid. Um, <laughs> things like repairs on the fly, droid expert, quick mod. They're wonderful, okay? And they ensure that you're also ensure also if you're going to do this that you're skill focused with mechanics and that you've got tech specialist and hopefully superior tech. You are the epitome of the techie. Now, the next build, I, I, I obviously, I saw Star Trek. I was kind of late. I only saw it this past week. Um, yeah. I, was very, I was very pleased to see it. And so it, it inspired me to call this build Scotty Would Be Proud. Ah, how cute. Okay, for a naval game, and no, I'm talking about ship combat, not belly buttons. Um, <laughs> for, for, a, uh, for a naval game, i.e. Starship Combat, um, you can put Scotty to shame. With Clear the lint, part. Captain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cleaning out the lint, Captain. I'm giving it all she's got. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Uh, talents like Problem Solver, Tech Savant, Vehicular Boost. They're amazing. Being the engineer on a ship is often an extreme exercise in boredom until something breaks. Not anymore. With those talents, you've got things to do each round to help the ship run better okay add in fast repairs and quick fix and you'll be yelling at the captain to hold her together yourself all right uh one more recommendation for the scotty build nab heavy weapon proficiency also um just in case case you need to man the guns or if you're going to take a level in scoundrel the space hound talent serves the same purpose yep absolutely because you never know in what case you're going to need it I also highly recommend Space Hound because of the fact that it also makes you immune to the effects of um, of zero gravity. Oh um, so yes, and because w- when that gravity, when that zero gravity, when sickness comes, it affects everything you do, including skill checks. And that's not right. very good for a mechanic. No, 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 not at all. So you know, hey, there you go. All right, uh, all right. So why don't you give us the name of the next build? <laughs> <laughs> the Master Blaster. The Master Blaster. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> this build is about the boom explosives detonite explosive charges explosives are your babies all right with judicious taking and retaking of the demolitionist talent 
breaching explosive and prepared explosive, you can turn a hunk of detonite into a quantum freaking singularity if you so desire. Yo. High enough, me- high enough mechanics check. You're doing three times damage off of, you know, oh, wow, I'm doing an extra seven die thanks to all my uh, demolitionist talents. And, uh, oh, yeah, this single block of detonite can, uh, yeah, destroy a planet. Here we go. Yeah, um, baby. That's what I'm loving so- right there, dude. Yeah, it's 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 very cool. Situational, yeah. but cool. So you already and, mentioned uh, this. You already mentioned the grenade monkey, right? The grenade monkey. It's it's my favorite build with a military engineer. It's one I really want to make. You hurl grenades like they're candy. The use of the sabotage device talent every single round, along with easily expendable stun batons or just weapons that you grab from nearby. Um, far shot, devastating attack, simple weapons will help you hit and get the most out of the hit when you do hit. And be sure to grab breach cover as well, because again, area attack. You want mm, to be able to. Yep. To do that. The last build I really like, sir. And and what is that build? That would be called the Weapon Master. Wait, wait. The the weapon the, the Weapon Master. The Weapon Master. What you say? That that's that's the that's the domain of the elite trooper or the gladiator. Uh, yes, it is. However, allow me to throw something at you. Okay. All right. With a primary level in soldier. Then, all, the web- yeah, okay. all right. Then a heavy weapons proficiency, okay, and a single level, an elite trooper to pick up the exotic weapon mastery talent. Dude, okay. you're suddenly proficient with every weapon in the game except lightsabers. God. Okay. So, wow. All right. Can you put two and two together now with your yes. field created weapons? Yes, with, I, I, I could make anything I needed at any time, and I could use it without mm. penalty. Mm. So, like, a flamethrower would be really nice here. Oh, let me whip one up. Oh, a sniper rifle would be really nice here. Let me whip one up. Oh, I could sure use a vibroax right now. Let me whip one up. A grenade launcher. Done, done, and done. Yeah, That's very baby. Cool. Yeah. I mean, your, your, your hit points, your base attack bonus might not be on par, but the sheer ability... To literally pull any weapon imaginable out of your rear end is pretty freaking cool. It's got weapons coming out of the wazoo. <laughs> well, that's that's where the weapons come out of. Yes. yes. So, baby. So in, sh- uh, in short, guys, the military engineer can wear a lot of hats. All right. The ease of entrance into this prestige class lets characters from nearly any career path enter into it. And no matter what your flavor, it can help benefit you in some way. So, Trent, sir, I hope that segue helped you out. Um, he also mentioned in his email that he was actually gaming tomorrow night. So I hope you're able to get some use out of this before you build your character, sir. Oh, yeah. And um, if, if we can be of any other help, please let us know. Thank yep. you, for guys, uh, Gamer Nation, for this segue into the Clone Wars campaign guide. It was a lot of fun talking about this. Oh, yeah. Fantastic, my man. Fantastic. So you know what that means, don't you? Um, I think... I'm not absolutely. Sure. I'm not. I'm. You know. I'm not a hundred percent positive, but. Um, Aww. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that we have to come up upon the end of yet another show. It's a real shame, but it's okay. I. I, I want to thank everybody who called in. Thank you, Darth John, for sending in your bumpers and your questions. <laughs> Thanks for all the other bumpers we got and for the wonderful questions you guys are posting up on the forums help keeping our community strong. It's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. So, all right. Special thanks, Alex, Trevor, Full On Gamer, Fiddleback, 
Darth John. Cat. <laughs> I mean, the list is long, but distinguished. Yes, it We is. thank you all. And, our, of course, our sponsors, GoDaddy.com, ThinkGeek.com, for everything you do to keep the podcast and the network afloat. You guys, check out all the other podcasts. Check us out at d20radio.com, d20radio.com slash forum to join the Gamer Nation and speak your mind. Give mm-hmm. us a call, area code 262060650872 or by email, gmdave at d20radio.com, gmchris at d20radio.com. And don't forget my Twitter. Twitter.com slash GM Dave if you want to follow me and do so. I'll twitch you, you Twitter. Yeah, send me a tweet, my boy. Tweet. Ah, ah. Good night, Gamer Nation. Peace, love, and good game. And keep those dice rolling. This is Shibuda, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, especially on a Friday. Episode 69. It's not what you think. It's worse. Gamer Nation, Scoundrel1978 here, and I never listen to the Order 66. It's crap. Hey, this is Kat, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. I would listen, but I hear it's infested with rat ghouls, and every time one of those things bites me, I move down the condition track. Maybe you guys should work on a vaccine. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. It's time to daydream, boys. Daydreaming time, and first, there are ninety. First, there are ninety-four of you in the chat room. Ninety-four in the chat room, and I want you all to say hi to the best goalkeeper in the world. Everybody, say hi to Courtney. She's in the chat room. All right, don't wait for the translation. Just do it now. I know you're not going to hear. You're not going to do it for like six minutes. There they are. Here they come. <laughs> Very nice. Yep. Very, very nice. Very nice. Uh, yep. So, it's awesome. All right. All right. So, you were going to talk about something at Daydreaming that you and Donovan had talked about at uh, the yes, show. Yes. Yes. All right. Y'all know that um, Danica Patrick is on my list, right? Number one. Far and away on the list. Number one. And okay, I, I, this, I had this, to go to Denver. Good. I had to go to Denver. And uh, I, I work for the last three days. I was in Denver. And 
She had a signing event in Denton, not 20 minutes from here. And I missed, I missed the opportunity. I mean, dude, would you imagine meeting two of my five on the list in a matter of a month and a half? Would you have, I mean... Who was the other one? Carrie Underwood. Oh, that's right. You got to meet her at the CMA. At the CMA, you? yeah. Uh, so. Oh, and Carrie Underwood was so fantastic. Ah. My heart almost melted off, right there. Off, the first thing I'll ask her is, so is Simon Cowell really as great as everyone thinks he is? <laughs> I doubt it. Mm. So, yeah, anyway, I missed the opportunity, and it's really, really unfortunate. And, yeah, Danica Patrick is not NASCAR old school. Now, okay, give old school some credit here, okay? At least he got motorsports right. Because, I mean, old school's on the other side of the pond, guys. Old school is... Dude, it's got to be like four in the morning over there, man. Old school's yeah, in Scotland. Oh, it's good to see do, you back you on the internet. It's, it's good to see you back on the internet, dude. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, Danica Patrick is not NASCAR yet. And, oh, Courtney's leaving the chat room. Bye! Anyway, yeah. So, Williams is in, William is in Scotland and, you know... Glasgow. Glasgow, dude. So yeah, it is you know, it is the fact that Danica Patrick is a IRL, an IndyCar, and there's a possibility that she'll move to NASCAR after this year because her contract is up. So, so really? you know, that's just how it goes. So, dude, I know we've probably beat the horse to death, but I I'm still, I've got a giant chubby with a lightsaber on the end of it from that darn tour trailer the sweater trailer oh my gosh yeah oh didn't you love it dude and yeah i'd invite any of you who are who are thinking about you know what are we talking about go check out the holocron.net we've got everything posted there about star wars the old republic and this is a video game that is going to dominate my life i may not even go to my daughter's soccer game well it's gonna I, dominate okay. the world I, I take that back i'll still go to her soccer games but yeah it, dude, if they do it right, this is the wow killer. It, yeah, you it know, it, I don't think anything's. You can't ever say anything's a wow killer right now. Nothing is a wow killer, but this will put the largest dent in their dominance of anything to date. You know, I mean, nothing's going to take down wow. Blizzard is the only thing that will take down wow by doing something better. You know, or migrating yeah, their players. Yeah. That's the the yeah. The only way to kill WoW is for WoW to kill itself, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, it is self-sufficient. It is a WoW. It will do whatever it wants. So, like I said, I've, I've said this on the Holocron before. My my goal for Star Wars: The Old Republic is five million. If they make it to five million, they will have made a substantial dent. Five million what? Subscribers. Ah, okay. If they'll they'll have made a substantial dent into WoW, and they will be the second most successful video game ever. Ever, yeah, yeah. So you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they just don't want to. Yeah, they just don't want to do it. Yeah. Wow. Yes, ah, uh, yes, ah. Uh. So. Uh, what do you think we should call this episode of ours? 
Dude, I think we got it already, dude. Episode 69. Um, Blowing things up. Dot, 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 up? Yes. Okay, I'm down with that. Yeah, that was, mag- that was Magnitude 77 that put that into the chat room uh, quite some time ago. And yeah, that's, yeah, I mean... That was yeah, that was absolutely for the win. I almost fell out of my chair when he did that. I saw it come through the chat, and that was greatness. Beautiful. I'm down. Wonderful. Yep. Wondermus. 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 Yep. So that's it, man. That is that is it. That is rock and roll, dude. We are at an hour and a half. We're at an hour and thirty five minutes in this show. Wowzer. And uh, unfortunately, I'm beginning to uh, feel the uh, minor effects of what was in my uh, Coca Cola cup here oh dear you you alky you oh no it's not what that bad man. and to zarissa is zarissa still in the chat room it was uh, rum it was yeah, rum in is. there by the way <laughs> she was trying to guess what was in my uh in my glass and it, it, it's almost a virtual guarantee because i can't really consume hard alcohol or anything because of my lap band and all that uh, it's uh, it's almost positive to be Hawaiian punch and pineapple rum. Ah, uh, so. Yep. Well, Hawaiian so punch and, and but in this case it was Coke, or you say it was just your Coke, your Coke cup. No, it was my Coke cup. Ah. See, so, yeah. Oh, yes, please look at your screen and see the Coke cup of horror and shame. There it is. Emphasis there it the is. Shame. There and it the is. Yes. <laughs> Indeed, man, it was a fun, fun show. It was a good show, I think. Yeah. This will be one of those shows that we can send in next year in case we don't win Podcast of the Year. <laughs> I'm so excited. So you all remember the announcement a while back that we got nominated for an any this year um, for, for Best Podcast, uh, which we're very excited about. And we got our, our nomination. Uh, we had We had to pick five episodes of our of our best work and some of the ones we, we went to you guys and said please tell us what our best episodes are and you guys did you told us sadly a lot of the ones that were suggested we couldn't use because of the time restrictions uh, it had to be uh, after in, in between certain dates basically um for the submission but we we did pick the ones that y'all said were really good and uh, got those sent off so i can't wait i'm going to be at the awards ceremony at gen con um with bells on yep not not literally but yeah I don't remember off the top of my head which ones we did. Did we not do... We did uh, like 40, we, 50... We did, okay, we did episode 37, 56. which was the... We did, we did the, list. the list. Yeah, 37, 40, 50, 56. And... and um, there were a couple others. We had, we had the other. list, and we also had the, the holocron, building a game holocron, I think, didn't we? Yeah, something may, like may, that. Uh, I think so. Maybe not. I'm not sure. We had, we had the Sam episode. We had the one-year episode. Mm-hmm. And we had the uh, episode about the about the Force or the Sith or something. I don't remember. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, a Rodney. Oh, Grand Rodney of the Republic. That's right. And we had Rodney, Sterling, and uh, Gary on. That's right. So, yeah. Yes. So it was perfect. Look, all our yes. guests all our guests have left from the chat room. We ran them all away. We ran them off. I gotta run off too. I got, I got, I have work. I gotta still do. do yes, things. I'm aware. I have work myself that I've got to do before our trip back out again on the road. So hey, you're not gonna be here next weekend, are you? Um, yes, I will be. You will be. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I fly back Friday. Okay, good. So we can plan on a Sunday cast next week then. 
we should be able to plan on a Sunday cast unless all hell breaks loose. So, and we will let you know on the forums if anything changes, Gamer Nation. So that we will, all our friends. So to everyone who's been a part of this one for GM Chris, I'm GM Dave. Saying you guys stay hard, keep jamming, and we'll see ya. <laughs>